How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. You know, here at EMS World, we do a lot of podcasts with folks from built-up, robust EMS systems throughout the country. We highlight the latest and the greatest technology being rolled out within these agencies. It's always fun to hear about the huge systems with unlimited resources and capital. Today, however, we are going to flip the script. We are going to focus on the little guy, island-style EMS. So a few weeks back, I went on vacation with my family to a place I had never heard of, Upper Captiva Island, Florida. So as I'm sure many of you know, I'm a Northeast guy, so the only islands that I'm really familiar with are Long or Staten, but this was more in line with Gilligan's or Paradise Island. In order to get to this little oasis, you need to take a 20-minute ferry ride off of the mainland. Once on the island, it's picturesque views, beautiful homes, dirt roads, and golf carts only. So normal people think about one thing when they get to a place like this, and that's where is the beach or where is my flower drink? And although these are legitimate questions, and certainly I was thinking about those things, given my background, my mind automatically goes towards where am I going to go if I have an MI? On a desolate island with no hospital, my mind tends to wander a bit. And as I explored the island, I came across a formidable building with three bay doors open, proudly displaying real life-sized fire apparatus, as well as a full-size ambulance. I needed to know more about this. It was so intriguing to me. And with me today on the podcast is the man I met on that island, the man that explained how island-style fire EMS works. That man is Chief Jason Martin of the Upper Captiva Fire and Rescue Department. Jason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good to be here. So, Jay, I, I got to be honest, when I went there, we actually met up because we were on the golf cart in the pitch dark, probably around 9 p.m. one night. And my wife, of course, lost her cell phone on one of these dirt roads. And as we were backtracking, we came across a ATV with two gentlemen that were sitting inside with helmets on and what appeared to be goggles. And I'm saying to myself, who are these guys? Again, being from the Northeast, I'm always, qu I'm always questioning those types of things. And uh, it turns out that it was you and one of the, the new recruits there, and you were doing some night training with night vision goggles, and you helped us find the phone, and we got to talking right from there, and I said, I got to get Jan for a podcast. So <laughs> tell me a little bit, Jason, about Upper Captiva Island. Well, the island is 100 years old this year. It was formed by a hurricane, uh, was uninhabited, and used as, a, as for several utilitarian uh, uses, from local government to the federal government over the past century. Uh, some of the more famous uh, uses for the island was that it was a destination for ordnance from the United States Navy during Second World War and into the Cold War era. Uh, it became a little more populated, was sold off, uh, zoned by Lee County uh, as a residential or destination platform and uh, 
development to the island soon followed. Uh, started to build in homes into the mid-70s. Growth took a little bit of a spurt into the 80s and uh, has continued to increase on into the 90s and the, this next century. So uh, for the island, that's where we're at. That's where we've come from. Uh, there was some thought of building the entire island into residential neighborhood destination type of communities. But then the islanders were able to step in and, and with the uh, cooperation of the state of Florida, uh, zone the south half of the island into a state park where it is today. It's beautiful. Uh, you have your destination homes and a small uh, vacation community, but you can leave that community and head down south of the island and have quiet palms, sea grape, beaches, and kind of lose yourself into the quiet uh, versus up there in the northern end with all of the other vacation homes and residences. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, it, it truly was one of the more beautiful places I've ever been. It's gorgeous. And take me through a little bit about the amount of vacationers as opposed to those that live on the island full time. Now, I know there aren't many, correct? That's correct. That's correct. We've uh, seen our residential population decrease uh, probably steadily over the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, we still have our fair amount of snowbirds that come in. Uh, they have secondary destinations or secondary homes down there in the island. But primarily, we've seen a shift of these properties going to small property managers on the island uh, to service these and uh, more of a VRBO or Airbnb type of a setting for the island. Yeah, it's more of a kind of like a destination platform for folks looking to get away to, you know, this paradise type environment, which which it is. And as I said, as as I let in, there were certainly concerns as I sure. came on that island. What type of, uh, you know, public service is there on this island? What type of emergency services are there? And I was so pleasantly surprised to meet you and to see the resources that were there, but they weren't always there right? I mean, this is relatively new, the setup that they have. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the current setup that Upper Captiva has, but where it has come from over the years? Sure, sure. Well, we're a full-time staffed fire department and EMS agency. We provide uh, fire suppression services in the conventional setting uh, with regular types of engine structural firefighting, but we also add to that uh, wildland interface due to the uh, location and size of the, the state park. We also provide marine rescue and fire marine fire services for our surrounding waters and other communities. So we provide advanced life support. Uh, we try not to leave the island too much. Uh, we'd like to keep our community protected. So some of our partners in the county with Lee County EMS and uh, Lee Flight, uh, the helicopter agency within Lee County, they support us with transportabilities from the island to tertiary or appropriate care. 
Which is probably the thing that is most interesting and most unique to this. So an island is an island, and and no truth be told that this is about as island as you can get. Like I said, this is dirt roads. So there's no urgent care, and there's no satellite ED here, and there's certainly no hospital. So if somebody needs to get to a hospital, like you said, the two modes are either fast boat, which I believe you have your own boat, and Lee Flight, which is the helicopter, the med flight that's run out of Lee County itself. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, they, um, they're very good partners with us. Uh, they, we rely on them for our critical patient transport. We're lucky to, up on the north end of the island, have an improved grass airstrip that's private, but the association has been great partners with us in allowing us uh, use of that airspace and surface, and it provides a solid and reliable landing zone for these helicopter transports uh, that pilots know the area well versus somewhere out there in the park where landing in uh, aircraft might be a little dicey. How often are you landing helicopters and how often are you having to take folks off by fast boat? Not, not a lot, but um, the medics on, on shift will make that determination on their initial and secondary assessments uh, to decide what we're going to do uh, for that patient. Uh, We tend to do a fair amount of treat in place and given a lot of factors, we'll make the decision on whether that boat transport is appropriate for the patient's condition or if, you know, helicopter air means are the most appropriate and the safest. we don't have to, we don't get to simply look at the patient's conditions medically to make that decision. We have to look at staffing. We have to look at weather is a big one for us. Uh, with the sudden pop-up of severe thunderstorms here in Southwest Florida, sometimes the helicopter is not an option for us. So we need to know that early on so we can make adjustments in that patient's care algorithm to do the best we can for that patient's condition with the circumstances we have. And I think that really plays into something that we had spoken about earlier on. And, and that is that these folks that you have working for the department are respectfully, they're veterans. They are. These are folks that know how to do their craft that have been in the trenches and they're not newbies that we could put out there because the fact of the matter is there, there's some hunker down medicine. Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you, ha- you alluded to the fact that you do a lot of uh, treat in place, which really is in line with the ET3 model that's coming out. You folks are doing it on an island, um, which is really, really cool. Um, but you need experience to do that, correct? Yes, that's correct. I mean, we're blessed to have the professionals that we have. We, for the most part, don't post for open positions. Uh, it's kind of a word of mouth within the fire EMS and emergency services community. We get the best of the best. We get uh, verbal referrals. We get referrals from coworkers or supervisors or chiefs. And I'm blessed with that uh, to have this pool of men and women that, that uh, offer some time in their part time as a part-time employee from me for me. And, uh, I'm lucky to have their experience and knowledge, as well as their current training. I don't think it would be very practical for me to have to attempt to provide training for 44 part-timers 
to keep them up to date in the fire and EMS skills, as well as the county's EMS trends. So again, uh, I benefit, we benefit on the island of their service, their parenting agencies that provide them the training and experience. And I think that's interesting because you're really pulling from a, a, a very vast pool in Lee County and you're also utilizing, these are folks that are cross-trained. So they have to have fire suppression uh, skill and they also have to be EMS personnel as well. So you're getting that. And and what is great about that is you're, you're, you have a very deep pool of talent there, but that also, and, and I think you spoke about this earlier offline, is that that also poses a challenge because Although you have these folks that are coming from the mainland, they're part-timers. And if they get caught up on the mainland because of responsibilities or whether it be hurricanes or anything else, you don't always have access to those folks. That's correct. That is the one of the, one of the few chinks in our armor is that they're all committed to a primary agency. So when we have those larger incidents where they're required to, to be on station or uh, working in their primary capacities, staffing for me out on the island can be very challenging. So I do rely on a cadre of recently retired firefighters and paramedics that have just left the service and their primary agencies probably within five years or less. And they perform wonders for me as far as stopgap staffing relief. They're a huge wealth of experience, varying in very lo- uh, varying command levels from chiefs of large fire departments on down to captains, lieutenants, uh, paramedics, and instructors. So while I may lose most of my uh, part-time staff, I do have a very small core of very seasoned and experienced professionals that I can call on to help assist me with keeping our staffing at a safe level. And you are the full-time chief of this department, which I know was was implemented pretty recently, correct? Actually, no, they've they've been they've had a full-time chief since 1991. Uh, the department formally is 30 years old this year. Uh, I am the fourth chief of the department, but I'm the first chief that has uh, brought a paramedic license credentials with them. Gotcha. So uh, myself and my assistant chief, uh, Craig Dennison, we work in tandem. One of us is always on island, uh, the other one off. So we're always subject to callback for anything that would be of a, in our scope a larger incident. But uh, at least we were able to staff one firefighter and paramedic, uh, either myself or himself, and then the other three positions, as we have a shift of four, uh, are covered by our part-time staff. And Jason, this really is a second career for you. I mean, yes, you is. know, in speaking with you, this how does a, how does a guy find himself as a paramedic in Detroit? How does he find himself on Paradise Island? Well, for me personally, uh, this will mark thirty for thirty one years in service uh, as full time paramedic with uh, Huron Valley Ambulance out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and had a full career there. Fire also was part of that, uh, kind of running in a dual capacity with a fire agency as well as an EMS agency throughout my career. Um, I initially put out looking for work as I approached retirement uh, in a fire inspector role. 
throughout the state of Florida. Uh, I really wasn't looking for this position, but I was, I was approached by a person from the hiring committee that the island had put together to search for a chief officer for their fire department. And he asked me, uh, left me a message, and I called him back, and he asked me if I would like to entertain the thought of being the fire chief for this island. And I hadn't ever heard of the island, so my wife and I immediately went to Google. <laughs> and if you Google North Captiva Island or Upper Captiva Island, it is interchangeable with the name, but you'll find some of the most beautiful pictures, landscapes, and scenes that uh, you can probably find on the planet. So I was, my interest obviously then was piqued uh, as to who might re be reaching out to somebody like me to take this opportunity. So the long story short of it is about a year later, I find myself down here in Southwest Florida with my wife and working in paradise. It, it really is. And it's a great story. And I, I brought that up because the personal side is important for listeners because you know, EMS tends to get bogged down and, and tends to get overwhelming and exhausting and everything else. But, you know, stories like this uh, are different, unique, and they certainly bring about a different perspective. And what you are doing there is really, really good work. And, you know, it's it's noticeable. And that's why I said when, when I met you, and, and I tend to have a personality where I like to speak to people, and I was able to come over and speak to you freely, and you were certainly very welcoming and, you know, your whole staff was, and it's very professional. And I met you at tour change and, and everything is, is really, really comforting there. Knowing that you are on a desolate Island and truth be told, when I went there, I did have those concerns, not just for me, but for my family and the guests that we were with. But, you know, you certainly allayed those fears and, and a lot of credit needs to go to you and the personnel there and everything that you have accomplished and what you continue to accomplish. So Jason, I really want to thank you for coming on because I think that this was a really cool podcast with a different spin. And I think it's important for the listeners to understand that there are so many different places where EMS and fire services exist, but they exist in such different formats that it's interesting to hear about these different formats and different ways as uh, you know, as we look at these different environments. Well, thank you for having me. And yes, we are. We have a very unique environment, a very unique setting, and challenges and opportunities as well. And I, I was good to speak with you and meet you and get to speak with you about what you do here at EMS World and your primary agency. And EMS is so alike across the across the nation, yet so different. It's 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 really. A very special profession. It really is, Jay. And I, and I want to thank you again for coming on. And I want to tell everybody that if you really want to go visit Paradise, make sure you get over to Upper Captive Island in Florida. And you can certainly rest assured that you're in very good hands over there. So Chief Jason Morton, thanks again for coming on. A quick reminder, EMS World Expo is approaching us October 4th through the 8th in person, Atlanta, Georgia. Definitely get on, start to register now if you have not. We look forward to seeing you. We have some great podcasts from the floor with some amazing guests planned. So we look forward to seeing you in person down there in Georgia. And again, thanks for joining us for another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. See you next time. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 